Hello and welcome. I'm Michael Rockman. You are watching Destination Draft Day. My co-host Nick Durst is currently in a meeting at work. Real life gets in the way sometimes, so he will be joining us a little bit later. Again, I'm Michael Rockman, and we're going to be talking about everything NFL draft, NFL, and college football today for you on the show. We got an action-packed episode today, but first and foremost, Destination Draft Day is sponsored by American Betting Experts, one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the U.S. We have teamed together to provide special gaming offers to all Landry football followers and podcast listeners. Go to our website, LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page. Pick among the gaming sites legal in your state, such as Bet, MGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, and PointsBet. Sign up and instantly receive an account deposit match or from $100 to $1,000. That easy. Again, go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located on the upper right side of the page, and get in on the action with a special offer from American Betting Experts. In the middle, oh, sorry. All right. Uh, so, as I said before, we have a big episode for you today. First and foremost, we're going to talk about the college football weekend where we saw plenty of big games. The first one I want to talk about is Ole Miss versus Alabama. Lane Kiffin led the Ole Miss squad to a very close game against Alabama. One thing that I noticed almost immediately is just how offensive this Alabama squad is and just how built and successful this Ole Miss team already is. You try to, you know, really get moral victories, and I'm sure Lane Kiffin would never want to talk about this, where he's saying, oh, yeah, we kept it close with Alabama. That's that's good enough for me. But when you're in year one, with so many question marks surrounding your squad, having a huge close game like that is – it means so much for a program that's really trying to build the success back to the team. So, you know, it's not the win that they probably wanted more than anything, but it's still a huge victory for Ole Miss. And I think they have a very promising squad going forward. They're one and two at the moment. But, you know, these big games where you really come out and perform – it's a uh, it's a big statement going forward. So another game that really caught my eye was Clemson versus Miami. Coming into the weekend, everyone knew that this was Miami's biggest test, really. And they had to prove that in this game, if they won, they were able to kind of cement themselves as a legit contender and really put themselves in the driver's seat to win the ACC. They came out flat. They didn't meet expectations at all. Cameron Harris had, let's see, let me pull it up, eight carries for three yards. Not anywhere where you need it. They needed to feed him the ball more even. Derek King, 12 for 28 with two interceptions, no touchdowns. Really, no one came to play. Really. I mean, you look at guys like Breven Jordan, guys that really maybe didn't have the opportunities to succeed, but it was just a clear – outmatched performance where Clemson blew them out of the water. We look at Trevor Lawrence, 29 for 41, 292 yards, three touchdowns. We saw Travis Etienne, 17 carries, 149 yards, two touchdowns. He had that 72-yard carry where he danced down the sideline for a huge score that really put this game away. The only squad of Miami that really showed up today 
or for this game, I mean, would be the uh, special teams unit with two blocked field goals. It was an absolute outstanding outing for that squad. So there's uh, there's definitely some work to, to go forward for the U if they want to contend and be legit. And I hope this is a good lesson for them to build on and become a more successful squad going forward. But at the moment, there's still some question marks for me for Miami. Another big outing was Texas A&M going in and upsetting Florida after coming off of a loss against Alabama. Texas A&M was in dire need of proving themselves to be legit, and they came out strong. They had a great offensive performance. Kellen Mond was 25 for 35, 338 yards and three touchdowns. He showed a lot of promise, and I think one thing that has been talked about is – I think Jim Nagy was the one to say it. He said, scouts are going to watch more Kellen Mond film than anyone else in the quarterback class this year. And kind of what they're saying in that is just these QB prospects that offer so much upside, but you really can't tell if you're a fan or not. And we saw there's cases where guys like Patrick Mahomes, you have to watch a bunch of film to figure out where you really stand on him, how you genuinely feel about him as a quarterback prospect. I'm not saying Kellen Mond is Mahomes. I'm just saying it's guys like that that have all the tools to become a successful quarterback, and you really have to make that decision. Can I get them to where they need to be? So I'd love to hear from the comment section, or we'll ask Nick maybe whenever he comes on, just what the idea, what the belief is behind Kellen Mond. Do you think he can be a legit quarterback at the next level? He's had his struggles at the college football level, but, you know, there's times where when he's reached his ceiling, he looks like one of the best QBs that we've seen in quite some time. And it just goes to show, you know, the tools are what evaluators are always going to value most. And Mond offers that, definitely. But how high on the tools will they be to where we see, you know, are people willing to draft him day two, day three? Are they going to pass on him like someone like Tyree Jackson? And it really, you know, is simple as that. And with time, hopefully we see Kellen Mond get more consistent from game to game. And maybe with the limited offseason, we didn't get to see him in his final form. That could have been a great QB, but. He's, he's had a great outing against Florida, and I think he's going to try to build on that and really get Texas A&M as a legit team in the college football ranks. We got a comment here from Glock Lesnar. We got Let's Go. Very excited to start this show as well. Big week of college football and NFL football. We're progressing through the season, and week by week, we are just finding more and more things to talk about. As we get closer to the draft, as we see more content coming out, we are going to be sure to try to provide more for you guys here at the show. So thank you so much for the excitement. And we got another comment from saying, Mon definitely has some arm talent, good practice squad stash. And, you know, ideally, I think a lot of teams would love that, having the ability to put him on his practice squad and see how he progresses over two years. And, you know, if he becomes something great, If not, then you let him go. But I think in today's NFL, we're going to see a lot more gambles in that regard where guys with tools are getting brought in 
and put on the active roster as, you know, maybe inactive for game day, but being brought in onto the 53 and being stashed there so that no one's being able to pick them off and stuff like that. Now, another big outing is LSU got upset yet again. Miles Brennan struggled 29-48, 430 yards, to, or not struggled. He had a good game, 29 for 48, 430 yards, four touchdowns. But ultimately, Missouri was able to outscore the LSU offense. Coach O knew very well that the LSU team that played last year was going to be much different than the team this year, losing star wide receivers Justin Jefferson and then Chase opting out, losing guys like Thaddeus Moss, Stephen Sullivan, a lot of key pieces on the offensive line. Obviously, Joe Burrow is gone, and then many pieces in the front seven with Chase on, with Patrick Queen, with Jacob Phillips, with uh, Christian Fulton. Ultimately, LSU is kind of in a rebuilding year, and it's not something that fans of a past championship team would want to see because when you have a squad that successfully – just dominates as much as they did last season, and now you're down one and two on the year, there's going to be questions in Baton Rouge, and there's going to be fans that are irritated. Probably not with Coach O specifically. They aren't going to be you know, ready to put them on the hot seat or anything, but we're going to see a lot of stress about a team that you know just met such high expectations last year and now have dropped off so much from this year. But for the LSU faithful out there, I am telling you, keep hope. You know, try to try to keep optimism. You guys just got a championship, so don't be too greedy. Yeah, the year's not what you're wanting out of this season specifically, but as the years go on, I think Coach O is building a great program at LSU, and he's going to have some more successful seasons. Another big game that happened over the weekend was Oklahoma versus Texas. And I tell you what, we got a big Sam Ellinger believer joining us finally with the stream. What's up, Nick? Sam Ellinger, what a show, but once again, like most times in his career, Oklahoma comes by victorious. You got the crazy overtime with the two missed field goals, and you hate to see a performance like that where Texas, they, they came storming back, they took the lead, and it ultimately didn't matter because they still lost the game, and they uh, they go to 2-2 two and two now, just like Oklahoma, who desperately needed to win, and uh, good, exciting game, but... Big 12, fortunately, they're not going to be getting anybody in the, the college football playoff this year with the way everybody's been playing as a whole. Yeah, it really comes down to Oklahoma State. But at the moment, I'm not too sold on them as being a playoff team. Now, over in the NFL, it was a huge week. Most notably, you know, we see some big games out of the Raiders who were able to come in and upset the Kansas State Chiefs for a huge victory. You know, this is big for Gruden because a lot of people kind of think, you know, Mahomes is going to have this huge tight grip on the AFC West. And I think he still does. But when you're a team like the Raiders and you're building on such young talent all around, you're trying to get Derek Carr back into it, being able to come into these big games and come away with the victory is huge. The Raiders get it done. Nick, do you think the Raiders are legit this season? Do you think they could potentially be a playoff team 
maybe yeah. even further? Do you think they could get Viva, Viva, Viva Las Vegas? Uh, <laughs> I said it on uh, my other show here with the Landry Football Network. You know I'm writing football with Joe Calabrese. Uh, I said I think the Raiders could sneakily be a 9-7 and seven playoff team, especially with the 14-team playoff this year. Uh, I picked them yesterday to definitely cover the spread. Uh, Joe and we had a guest, Jacob Charno, on from the Hard Count podcast. We both appeared on his show on Sundays at 10 a.m. They thought I was crazy. They said Chiefs are going to blow- win in a blowout. Other Chiefs are going to win, but uh, you know, if you look at, but they lost and the Raiders were good. Uh, I think the Chiefs they're not as good as everyone thinks they are. You know, the first week they they played Houston, absolute mess. Uh, their only win that was really impressive would have to be against. The Ravens, where they, you know, they beat them down. Uh, they had a close game against the Chargers. They get, they lose this week. Are they going to win the division? Of course, but uh, I, you know, they're not untouchable. And you look at teams like the Steelers uh, and maybe even the Bills. I think they, they could definitely beat them this year in the playoffs. And watch out for the Browns because they are charging here. But there are there are three games above five hundred for the first time in like twenty years or something, which is crazy. But back to the Raiders. I like the way John Gruden's building his team. Uh, Jacobs has looked great in the backfield. Carr, he's letting a rip, and he's doing a great job. Uh, you know, they, they drafted a bunch of wide receivers who are helping them out uh, tremendously this year. And I don't think they're going to be a contender this year, but they're definitely – they're certainly going in the right direction. And they have a lot of talent there. And, of course, they're going to be playing – in Las Vegas, for now on, the fans are already crazy over there. I talked to my friend who lives in Las Vegas. He says we really supported the team. Obviously, nobody's going to be in the stadium this year, but I think it's going to be a tremendous atmosphere out in Las Vegas, and it's going to be a huge home field advantage for the Raiders for many years to come. And John Gruden in year two of eight, eight, eight left to go here on his contract. I think he's certainly going to be heading the, the Raiders towards the playoffs this year, and for many years to come. Yeah. And you talk about the chiefs and how they, you know, had this reputation of unbeatable. I think another team that kind of has gotten that reputation throughout this year, sneaked out of victory last night, the Seattle Seahawks now five and Oh, Russell Wilson just looks incredible. Even in the rain, he was able to drive down and get this absolutely dominant finishing game winning drive. The Vikings on the other hand, fall and, that's crucial big loss for them now one and four definitely some tight games for them so there's still hope there in minnesota but seattle looks legit do you think they're the uh, super bowl favorite at this moment definitely not uh, i think seattle has won now three close games this game the vikings could have won could have won either way patriots right there at the goal line with cam newton could have won either way and they have the big comeback and barely beat the cowboys so Sure, they're five and zero, which is great. Uh, we'll see when they play the Rams where that goes, because the Rams, for the most part, have looked good other than their little hiccup against the Giants, which they still won. To me, the best team in the NFC by far is the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers has looked tremendous this season. Uh, the defense has has not looked that good, but overall, the offense has has scored enough. And we got a big game next Sunday, which is the, the Buccaneers coming off a loss. To the the Bears, they're probably looking ahead, taking on the Packers. It's going to be a tremendous game there, big time game. Uh, and the Packers, you know, after, after they take the bucket on the Buccaneers, they got the Texans, the Vikings, 
49ers, the Jaguars. So they could they could be looking at a potentially a 10-0 start here. And it's going to be a big game. Uh, Tampa Bay is the home team on Sunday. So I think I think the Buck, the Packers are the, are the class of the NFC right now. They're right there in the NFC Championship game last year. Uh, could have went either way. They could have went to the Super Bowl. I think they're going to be in the Super Bowl this year. I think Aaron Rodgers is very, very, very motivated by the first-round pick of Love, the quarterback. And to me, this is, they're the best team in the NFC. And I'll be interested to see how everything plays out. NFC West. Cardinals are like they bounce back with the big win against the Jets. The Rams they they win again against the Eagles. They look good. Seahawks look good. So I think those three teams are are probably going to be in the playoffs. Uh, the Bears they don't look good under Nick Foles. The offense has looked worse in in many ways than against Trubisky. Um, I think because just Trubisky always gave the defenses a little hesitation as to whether he's going to run the ball or not, and we, we know he does that pretty well. Uh, but I think the Bears, they probably still get in. The Packers are getting in. That's five teams right there. Uh, and it, whoever wins the NFC East is going to get in. And then you get Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that. With uh, the NFC East, Dak Prescott now breaks his ankle. I think with all the performances that are happening, obviously the NFC East was not meeting expectations. But everyone kind of had this assumption, you know, hey – I think Cowboys will probably have the most talented roster, so they'll probably end up sneaking this one out. Now with Dak out for the season, Andy Dalton isn't some awful QB. He can step in and this offense will succeed. But the issue is Dak was having to make this offense propel to such high levels because of how bad this Dallas defense is. So now the NFC East is even more up for grabs than ever before. The Washington football team looked terrible. The Giants have so many issues as it is. The Eagles still look bad. The Cowboys just got a win over the Giants, but it shouldn't have been as close as it was. Even when Dak was healthy, it was still a close game. I mean, this is just an ugly-looking division. Do you think the winner of this division, A, will even have a winning record, and B, who do you think it will be? So definitely they will not have a winning record. They will be, at best, 8-8. Eight and eight. We saw last year with the, with the division, the same, same, same thing, came down stretch. Uh, yeah, the Cowboys should have definitely lost to the Giants. There was two questionable uh, calls that went against the Giants on a fake field goal and a touchdown. And then on the big play at the end of the game there to get the Cowboys into field goal territory, uh, there was an offensive hold by the tackle, which was not called as well. Uh, but again, Daniel Jones showed up, and he always does what he does, and that is he turns the ball over a fumble pick up and scoop for pick six. Got to be worried about him if you're uh, the Giants organization with his turnover problems. But I think the winner of this division is going to be led by Alex Smith making his return, and it's going to be the Washington football team. They get around seven wins, and I think he's making a tr- he's going to make a tremendous difference because if you look at 2018, the, re- the then Redskins were in first place. Under Alex Smith, they end up coming in last place once he goes down. Uh, I think he's just going to be able to really lead the team. Uh, they're not going to; it's not going to be pretty. They're pr- they're going to barely squeak by. They got a nice game against the the Giants coming up this weekend, which I think they'll win. And I think they're going to lose a lot of their games, but I think they're going to be able to win their NFC East matchups. I think ultimately Alex Smith puts them over the edge, and they get their first round matchup against either the Seahawks or 
the uh, NFC South winner and get absolutely destroyed in the first week of the playoffs? Well, one big game that, you know, had some major implications for this offseason, the Carolina Panthers beat Atlanta at Atlanta Mm -hmm. and immediately following Dan Quinn is fired shortly after that. Thomas Dimitrov is fired as the GM of the Falcons. This is a big job opening. And, you know, whether this coach comes in and, you know, is looking to really rebuild the whole entire unit and is trading away pieces like Matt Ryan and Julio or comes in as saying, we got a window here and we got an opportunity to come in and succeed right away. I'm going to take advantage of that. It's an enticing position. Absolutely. So, Really, you know, there's two jobs that have officially become open with Houston and Atlanta. I think it's safe to say most likely that the Jets job will become open. There is belief that if Minnesota struggles, that job will become open. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars job is going to become open. And I'm trying to think of which other one. Detroit, Detroit could be Detroit's a possibility. And I would keep and, an eye on, I think, if Gettleman gets fired, Joe Judge might be out of luck because they they really should give a new GM his own right to, to hire a coach. I always feel strongly about that. Yeah, it we, never can see out. Guys, we can see guys like Joe Judge and I think Zach Taylor as well. You know, there's probably promise to where people wouldn't want yeah. to, but I think uh, in the right situation where things just kind of fall apart, those are guys that are in that middling ground for potentially on the hot seat. So, you know, I think talking with some friends about this last night, I was saying, you know, Minnesota is probably the best spot for any coach to land because it's such a complete roster and there's really just some secondary help that's needed. And then once you really get that going, you've got a great team on your hands with an early pick, uh, I assume is how it'd be if they were to struggle enough. That's how Zimmer would get fired. You could really look into drafting a QB, whether it's Fields, Lance, someone else, in the first or second round, and then you can really judge the idea of, hey, you know, Cousins, he's a good quarterback, but he's not really going to put us to that next level. Now we have this chance to do that with a guy like Trey Lance with our first-round pick, and you see what happens. Now, another job that I think is – in a similar situation is, you know, you go to Houston Mm -hmm. and you have Deshaun Watson where there's maybe less overall roster talent than a place like Minnesota, but you have your franchise QB for probably at least the next five years, assuming that nothing happens to him even longer. So, you know, overall for these job openings, what positions do you think are most enticing and what positions do you think you would probably stay far away from? I think the most enticing one would be the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, we know the offensive talents there. They got to rebuild that defense. You're starting with a clean slate with a new GM as well. And hey, if they get the first pick, they are going to draft Trevor Lawrence. They're going to move on from Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan should still get a pretty decent return uh, as far as a trade goes. He's still one of the better quarterbacks in the league. So you're going to get extra draft picks there. And if you're looking, you know, if you're like getting, a, you want to get a Matt Rule type of contract where you're going to be have a lot of security there as far as your contract goes. Look at that division. Brady's probably got maybe three years left uh, at the quarterback position there, and Drew Brees might be done after this year. So that's a division where you could come in. 
You could definitely go worse to first. It's there for the taking. Uh, I, I, the Vikings job, I think, is a great job. Obviously, they're very talented there. The Lions, that's a job I'd probably stay away from. I think it's just uh, they need they need they have so many needs, and I don't think they're going to be bad enough that they're going to end up at the the very very top of the draft. Uh, and then if you're looking at the the AFC, the Texans on paper, you know they got they got a good roster. Uh, the, the AFC South is pretty lousy for the most part. Titans, they're probably going to be like a nine ten win team. Colts, same thing, maybe eleven wins. Jaguars, you know, they're rebuilding as well, uh, but they don't have a first round pick. So that's that would kind of be a cause for concern there. So if I'm in the AFC South, I'd probably, and I had an option between the teams, I probably would be more inclined to want to go to the Jaguars and, you know, start things off with uh, a first round pick, uh, obviously a high pick every other round as well, uh, potentially looking at Trevor Lawrence there. Although, again, I don't think they're going to be bad enough that they're going to get the first overall pick. Uh, and the Jets job, I would just stay away from that. I have no, I have no, no interest in coaching the Jets because I know in three years I'm going to be fired and I may never get a coordinator job again. Uh, one thing that I've heard kind of sprinkled around in the rumors to this year is talking about the idea that, look, Jimmy hasn't met expectations for 49ers fans this season. The Falcons are going to have an early pick. They can move on and try mm. to get to this rebuilding system. Do we see Matt Ryan for, you know, maybe like a second round pick to the 49ers and Shanahan and Ryan are reunited. The the Not cap bad. opens up with uh, Jimmy coming off the books and some of the other pieces such as Quan Alexander also being let go of. The money works. The team is pretty much there for the 49ers. They, you know, would be healthy again. And having Matt Ryan in that system could really open up this offense do you think that's a good fit for both sides? Do you think, or do you think Matt Ryan has kind of moved past his prime and now it's time to kind of embrace a, a different QB for San Fran? I think Matt Ryan would be a good fit for a lot of places, especially maybe like the Chicago Bears if they're going to move off from Trubisky. Uh, I interesting to hear you know Shanahan and Ryan reuniting. I, I think that would uh, ter- certainly um, you know be in, be intriguing there. Uh, I agree with you that Garoppolo is probably out in San Francisco this year. Uh, I said I think Garoppolo is going to be the starting quarterback for the Patriots next year. Pretty sure Belichick is going to take him back. So the the big wild card in all this is where is Cam Newton going to go? Because if he continues to play when he comes back from coronavirus the way he has played, he's going to get a nice deal, I think, somewhere. At least maybe like a three-year deal with some guaranteed money. And I think you know if there's a team... You know, let's say the the Jaguars they don't, you know, they don't, they're unable to get Trevor Lawrence. You know, then maybe they say, all right, we're going to keep Minshew, or may, hey, maybe we could just sign Cam Newton. I think we'll be able to contend right away. Again, Philip Rivers is on a one year deal with the Colts, so I think I think unlike this offseason, a lot of teams are going to be interested in Cam Newton. If Matt Ryan is up for grabs, that meaning the Falcons are going to move off for him. I think a lot of teams are going to be lined up for him as well, and the. The other rumor is the Jets might be moving off from Sam Darnold. I personally don't see him as a star quarterback in the league, but I'm sure there would still be some intrigue for him out there. And the other guy that somebody might be interested in would be Jameis Winston. So there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks on the move this offseason and abundance of talent. And the other guy to keep an eye on, Andy Dalton, because if he leads the Cowboys to the playoffs, 
that's going to prove to a lot of people that Andy Dalton can still be a starting quarterback in this league. Yeah, and, you know, one of the biggest things that really has to be weighed in is do we go and pay someone that's a veteran on the market or do we look at spending the draft pick and risking it on a rookie quarterback? And, you know, there's there's a lot of talent in this class, whether you're looking at T-Law, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, we talked about at large. But there's also other guys that have kind of built their stock up. And it's just kind of the question of how much do we believe in starting a rookie quarterback right away? We saw teams like the Chargers where they went with Tyrod Taylor before Justin Herbert. Tyrod probably would have started longer, if not for a faulty it's still uh, started, yeah. operation. Yeah. But, you know, there's just so many teams that could easily be looking at the idea of, Veteran QB, right. rookie quarterback. You like know, somehow, someway, Ryan Fitzpatrick will be starting somewhere next year. <laughs> after, I mean, ridiculous game for Fitzpatrick, destroying the 49ers, leaving them to a 43-17 to 17 win, the Dolphins, yesterday. Yeah, and, you know, you look at some of these teams, and there's just talent all around, and they need a quarterback. And whether they end up signing someone or they just kind of ride it out with their current starter or they draft someone high enough, there's definitely going to be some intrigue in that regard. We got a question from the comment section. Throw Julio. Oh, I guess not much as a question. Throw Julio in there as a bundle deal for that Matt Ryan trade to San Fran probably ups it to around the first round pick. Niners can easily get by with that. I think with the, uh, with the talent everywhere else on the roster, letting go of a first-round pick, I think it's okay. Another comment from here. How much of Darnold and Jones' struggles are due to bad teams they play for? And is it premature to typecast either one as not a star in this league? Me and Nick have kind of gone back and forth and on this so often. I'm a big Darnold guy, and I don't think either of these QBs are really stars, but at the same time, I think when you're a young QB, if you want them to become a star, you have to surround them with talent in order for them to reach their success. And, you know, we've even seen it when guys are getting outmatched as badly as they did like Bengals Ravens, Joe Burrow didn't have a great week and it wasn't necessarily on Joe Burrow. I think everyone's kind of accepted the fact this O-line is terrible Mm -hmm. and Burrow's doing what he can do. Now, Darnold, isn't Burrow. I'm not saying that he is, but at the same time, Darnold has had a terrible situation with his offensive line. And with that has become really bad at trying to make uh, smart, quick reads because he's just become so pressured and flustered with the idea that his pocket's not going to last. And he makes these terrible decisions and throws interceptions. Now, this doesn't wipe away Darnold's fault because his team's bad, but at the same time, it stunts his development. And I think in another system, maybe a team like the Saints, a team like the Steelers, where the team is built much better and they have a lot more success with their coaching tree and there's just you know more to work with overall, I think if you bring them in, you say with confidence, like, hey, we want you to be a quarterback here for the future, and you get going immediately with some easy plays, easy play calling. You kind of almost restart his career where he's this, you know, 25-year-old rookie instead of a 21-year-old rookie. Then you kind of you, – you have a 25-year-old rookie, which is still 
a question mark, but you're pretty much restarting his career and trying to get his confidence back to where he can become a great starting quarterback going forward. And it's the same situation with Jones. He has less interception issues and more with fumbling and holding on to the ball too long. So making reads and developing that is going to be huge for Daniel Jones' success going forward. But both of these QBs, I think, have the tools to succeed. And with a better team around them, I think we get a better gauge of just how good they really can be. Yeah, uh, Darnold probably more so. It depends on the talent around him. I mean, if you look at Jones' offensive weapons, pretty solid for the most part. Uh, is the O line good? No, but I don't. I don't know. I've never been. I've never been one of the believers that oh, your O line could impact how many interceptions you throw. Because I, I mean, I've seen instances where either Jones has time or. He's using his mobility, he's getting out of the pocket, and then he's just throwing these horrendous interceptions. You want to chalk up his fumbles? I mean, I think he's got to fumble every every game this season. Uh, to the O-line, okay, I, I can give you that. Um, but at a certain point, he needs to just know when to take a sack or when to throw the ball away. And there's just too too many instances. He's a mobile guy, so he's looking to, to move around and – um, you know, the ball's coming loose and it, it's it's not ideal. And as of now, it's costing the Giants a lot of games. Um, with the Jets, I mean, if you take Trevor Lawrence and put him on the Jets, is it really going to make that much of a difference in the win total next year? I mean, probably not if you have the same roster here. Um, I think if you took Jones out of the off the Giants and gave it another quarterback who is known to not turn the ball over, uh, could be a different story. It could be some improvement for the Giants. Yeah, and I think there's promise for both of them still, but there's just too many question marks to really feel fully comfortable on them going forward, which is why if the Giants were picking number one, if the Jets were picking number one, they'd probably go T-Law. If they're picking number two, we could still see a quarterback in play very much for both teams. So it's going to be interesting to see how the season goes along and how both QBs play when given the opportunity. Now, Moving on, we got some big rookie performances for the week. Rockman's rookies, let's just dive right into it. First and foremost, Chase Claypool. I want to first say that this is not some QB stat line. This is legit seven catches, 110 yards, four touchdowns, three of which were in the passing game, one of which he ran in. Claypool saved fantasy teams if you spot started them. He got you some money if you're part of a daily fantasy team. And he just has really proven that he is on his way to stardom. Feels like the Steelers always have some young up-and-coming wide receiver. Claypool now next in line. And after today's outing, I think there's or after yesterday's outing, I think there's very much reason to believe that he is going to be a star. Next up, we got C.D. Lamb, eight catches, 124 yards for the Cowboys. Played a big part of Dak's offensive success and Andy's offensive success. Really took advantage of this Giants secondary and put together a big outing. The wide receiver class for this year is already looking very talented. C.D. Lamb could be the best of all of them. The next Rookie of the week is Robert Hunt, who got his first start at right tackle. Watching this man's film, he was absolutely dominant. He was able to move up into the second level during the run game. 
he was able to flatten out Fred Warner, who's one of the best linebackers in the game. He created big opportunities for his team in the past game. He looked very strong. Him and Solomon Kinley right next to each other were just very dependable for this pan- for this Dolphins team. And it resulted in a big 43-17 win over the San Francisco 49ers, which I don't think many people expected. You look at just how much talent is there on this Dolphins roster. It's not all put together. There's still many pieces that are needed. But when you are hitting on your mid-round picks with Kinley and Hunt, it makes the job that much easier. And once Tua comes in, having a good O-line is going to be crucial for him. Another great performance, which may get overshadowed just because he's a defensive player, is Patrick Queen for the Baltimore Ravens. Six tackles, three assisted tackles, one sack, and one forced fumble. The Ravens looked absolutely dominant against the Bengals, and it is a key part of the secondary, but also a key part of this front seven. And Patrick Queen is already looking the part for this Baltimore Ravens defense. They have a history of drafting linebackers in the first round that end up becoming studs. We saw Ray Lewis. We saw C.J. Mosley. Now Patrick Queen. We see this guy as, you know, a little bit different because he's not the thick, big hitter that Mosley and Lewis were. But this guy is definitely a star in the making, and the Ravens are very happy to have him. Our last rookie of the week, Maybe the only potential contender for rookie of the for defensive rookie of the year against Queen Jeremy Chin for the Carolina Panthers has shown up on this list twice now, as well as Queen and Lamb. He had six tackles, three assisted tackles. He has been a key piece of this Carolina defense, one that is very young and one that is very inexperienced. And Jeremy Chin has stepped in, looked like a veteran played a huge part of the victory over the Atlanta Falcons. And, you know, Carolina is trending in the right direction. And with young, motivated defensive performances like Jeremy Chin's, they could potentially surprise some teams and really end up with a pretty impressive record. Matt Rule, Joe Brady already off to a very nice start. Very exciting to see. What do you what do you think? And I want to get to the rookies, but what do you think about how Teddy Bridgewater has been playing this year? Well, I think it's mostly a testament to how strong of a case Joe Brady is making to already become a head coach. And I think people want to say, oh, he just got to the NFL. He can't be a head coach yet. But when the results are there, you got to jump before someone else does. Uh, We've seen in the NFL in terms of draft talk, the Colts took Darius Leonard early second round. And everyone was like, oh, that's kind of early. I thought maybe he was a third round, fourth round. When you love a guy, you pick him. And it's the same thing with coaches. If you think that Joe Brady is going to last, you're a fool. He's already proven himself with the LSU offense in one of the most dominant offenses in college football history. And now he's having Teddy Bridgewater, who, I mean, is a fine quarterback. I'm not, this isn't anything as a slight to Joe or to Teddy Bridgewater, but I think Joe Brady has proven himself as an offense coordinator and is worthy of looks as a head coach going forward. So what do you think, Joe Brady, Bengals head coach next year? Hey, if the Bengals decide to move on, I think Brady should be the obvious hire for them. You have just so much wide receiver weapons in that squad. I think overall there's three teams that probably have the best receiving course, uh, receiver group in football. Well, maybe four. There's the Chiefs, 
the Bucks, the Panthers, and the Bengals. So, you know, given all those weapons to Brady and then just, you know, hopefully investing in this offensive line, I think the Bengals could really become one of those teams that jumps from worst to first like you were talking about earlier. Nice. I uh, love the love the love when you put the offensive tackles on here. Robert Hunt obviously had the biggest week of any player here. I mean, look look what Fitzpatrick was able to do behind Robert Hunt in the offensive line. Uh, no, no surprise, another uh, another uh, big big impact there. Gets his first start. The raging Cajun. He did a great back there on um, a um, right tackle, and then Chase Claypool here. Big Ben just absolutely glowing over him. Uh, afterwards, I mean, four, what a four touchdown day he goes. He has got some God given abilities. Uh, he's got, he, he's talented, he says. He's big, fast, strong. He's very, very smart. So we were able to do things like move him around and do some things today. Uh, yeah, six for four. Corners look so, so small next to him. Do you think that Chase Claypool has the opportunity here to do? What Juju Smith Schuster did to Antonio Brown, and which and that is kind of push him out as the top target. Uh, Chase Claypool potentially becomes top target uh, because Juju Smith Schuster they got to pay him real soon. You know that holdout's coming next summer, uh, and maybe they'll say, "Hey, we got Chase Claypool here. We don't have to to worry as much about that holdout." Yeah, and I think Juju gets paid eventually, but when you have the tools. It's all about production, and when you're producing like Claypool is currently doing right now, seven catches, 110 yards, four touchdowns, yeah, I think you got the ability for sure. The upside is definitely there. I mean, when I think of just how athletic Claypool is, I think of over in Seattle, DK Metcalf. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are holding off on giving Metcalf as much praise as he deserves because he's so young, but when you have – the athletic upside that is just insane. And you have the size that makes you almost impossible to guard to go with it. It's all about production. DK Metcalf is a top five wide receiver in the NFL right now, but no one wants to say it because he's in his second year. So people are, are trying to hold off on it. They don't want to seem reactionary. I'm I willing to say it I right now. Friday we got we to gotta hit your top five wide receiver list because I'm, I'm intrigued <laughs> by that statement right there. Uh, I think we know who who you have number one, and I'm interested to see who you got two through five. Yeah, so so when it comes to that, I mean, Claypool has the athletic upside, and he has a size to do it. So now it's just about production, and can he consistently put this in week in, week out? He doesn't always have to be going 100 yards, four touchdowns, but if he's able to get, you know, 75 yards a game at least, and he's putting up touchdowns every other game, He's going to prove himself as a top wide receiver in this league, and that'll be huge for the Steelers, whether they decide to pay Juju or not. So talking about Robert Hunt, like you said earlier, he's he's been huge for the Dolphins, but I really want to give props to the Dolphins for how well they drafted. Austin Jackson has looked the part through his healthy games for the Dolphins at left tackle. Solomon Kinley has looked very strong in his starts at right guard. And Robert Hunt looks, you know, like a great pick at right tackle. They, without a question, had so many doubts with their offensive line last season. And it was just horrendous. And I give props to Fitzpatrick for how well he was able to manage that. But when you had a QB like Tua coming in, 
you knew that you had to get a court, you had to get a protection for him. And the offensive line is looking to be very promising going forward. 100% tip my cap to the Miami Dolphins for investing in offensive line and hitting on their picks because now, while Robert or while Ryan Fitzpatrick looks strong, it also just makes it much less of a concern for whenever you do decide to move on to Tua. No doubt about it. You got to keep the got to keep the quarterback safe. I mean, look at look at Carr with the Texans. Look at Andrew Luck with the Colts. And you taking that that quarterback super high in the draft, they're not going to survive if they're getting sacked over and over and over again. Um, and the injuries for two are already there and well documented. So it was crucial that they got protection for him. He's not the most mobile QB out there. He's got some great hips and he can move around when necessary, but he's not going to be scrambling for a bunch of yards. So definitely great job by the Dolphins. Sorry to cut you off there. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, I, I think the Bengals need to definitely address the offensive line because you've seen Burrows look good, but of course there's a lot of pressure there. And, the Washington football team has done an atrocious job of addressing their their offensive line, hence why Haskins ends up getting benched. You got Allen starting. He gets hurt with an injury in the, right, in the arm. And then Alex Smith comes in and gets sacked six times. And Aaron, Don, Aaron Donald's, play, Donald's playing like using him like as a, as a piggyback. It's crazy. Yeah, in this game – Eight sacks in total between Kyle Allen and Alex Smith. And I think Alex Smith is making sure to get downs because, I mean, everyone knows no one wants to see Alex Smith get hit. But Aaron Donald, four sacks in this game, just absolutely dominant. We saw three sacks out of Troy Reader for the Rams. Just a huge game for both sides and definitely a runaway performance by the Rams. So, yeah, invest in your own line. Yeah. Now, one thing that has happened through draft season five weeks in, we get to see some rising draft stocks, some draft risers. Now, everyone's not rising to the same level. A good performance doesn't automatically mean that you're this top five pick in the NFL draft. But with great performances, you start to see your stock rise. And I think one by one, you can get through each stage in this graphic. We're going to start out with a day three guy that has really kind of moved his stock up from the offseason to now. And for me, that is Josh Palmer of Tennessee, wide receiver. Questions surrounding this Volunteers offense for who is going to take over as the number one receiver following Jawan Jennings' departure. I think a lot of people knew it would be Palmer, but there are still wonders on if he would really step into that wide receiver one role. Josh Palmer has looked very impressive, has had some great performances, so far, he had six catches against Southern Carolina or South Carolina, four catches against Missouri, four catches against Georgia, two touchdowns against Georgia, though, three touchdowns on the year. He's had over 70 yards in each outing. I think he's really proven himself to be a consistent receiver, able to go up and get the ball downfield. This Tennessee offense isn't super productive in terms of offensive play calling and yardage gain. So what Palmer's been able to do is just very impressive. And the stats may not sound like some dominant showcase, but he has really shown out. And I think whoever gets Josh Palmer, whether it's day three, day two, or wherever he ends up, I think they're getting a great receiver, assuming he stays healthy. For the day two guy, we got Michael Clemens, 
defensive end out of Texas A&M. If you watched last episode, I talked about him a little bit in the game preview with Florida. He put Alex Leatherwood to shame against Alabama. Alex Leatherwood is highly touted offensive lineman who had his flaws exposed against Michael Clemens. Clemens has an outstanding frame at 6'5", 270 pounds. He can play 4-3 defensive end. He can play 3-4 defensive end. He had one and a half sacks against Vanderbilt. He had a sack against Alabama, and he looked pretty good against Florida as well. Michael Clemens is going to get some love as the season goes along. I think the more and more people start to watch, the more people will start to notice. Whether that means he gets all the way up to day one, I'm not sure, but I think this is a guy that you kind of you hit on in the mid-round, and it's huge for your team going forward, and I think Clemens is someone that would be a huge hit. Someone that's raised their stock to potentially get into day one, Kyle Trask, and he's been talked about by a lot of people. Some great performances, even in the loss to Kentucky. We saw a great outing from Kyle Trask. He put up an outing that had 312 yards, four touchdowns, 23 for 32 on passing. Look, there's always these QB risers, and I think Trask doesn't count as much because he had the love before the season happened. But at the same time, with these performances, you can really get up much higher than maybe anyone's ever had you. So if he continues to dominate, continues to put up great performances, Florida has some big games coming up where he could really show out and have a great outing. LSU this week, Missouri next week, Georgia after that. If Florida has dominant offensive showings and Trask really proves himself as the QB that people have seen so far through the first three weeks, we could see this guy as a top pick in the draft. But right now, we're leaving him in the first round. He has raised his stock, though. So a great job for Kyle Trask. And for a top pick with his draft stock rising, Tyson Campbell, the cornerback for Georgia, has played very physical throughout the first four games for Georgia. He is looking just absolutely dominant. Or three games for Georgia, sorry. He's looking absolutely dominant, has shut down his weapons. He went against Seth Williams last week and just completely took him out of the game. When you have a physical corner, the biggest thing is just making sure that you aren't drawing penalties. And against Auburn, against Tennessee, he's not. And, you know, there's some there's some times where he has these little let-ups, but the biggest thing is just trying to stay consistent week in, week out, and he has done that for Georgia. The Tyson Campbell and Eric Stokes cornerback duo may be the best in the NFL, and both of these guys I think deserve to be first-round picks. But Tyson Campbell, with his size and strength and just overall performances so far, he could potentially see himself at the top of the draft. 6'2", 185, but he plays like he's you know, a mean, mugging, strong safety that's really just able to knock anyone around. So the athleticism has always been there. It's just been about staying healthy and putting it all together. Right now, it looks all put together for Tyson Campbell. So obviously, Tyson Campbell with uh, Georgia. Georgia now moving up in the rankings to number two. Uh, I'm going down to three. You saw Florida get beat by Texas A&M. Texas A&M jumps up 11 spots in the rankings. Florida still is higher than them. They jumped, they drove, they dropped down to seven, but A&M up to 11. Uh, and the question that, you know, you got to look at the standings now. I mean, obviously 
Clemson beat up on Miami. But looking at the top 10, uh, you got three ACC teams in there. North Carolina, who we've been very high. North Carolina, Michael, they, they're looking like they're going to be a great program for years to come here. Notre Dame undefeated. And I, I think it's a possibility at the time when the Fighting Irish play Clemson, they could potentially be the top two teams in the country, just depending on uh, where where everything falls with Georgia and Alabama. Uh, but three teams in the top five uh, for the ACC. And then, of course, you got Miami. They dropped to 12, but they're probably still better than a lot of the teams ahead of them, such as Kansas State, uh, A&M, BYU, Florida. So the question I want to ask you is, how long is it until we start considering the ACC as the premier college football conference oh there's definitely a lot of talent in this conference and with the likelihood that i think after time notre dame ends up joining the acc i think they go away from being the independent school that they are kind of known on known as at the moment it really kind of comes down to north carolina and miami and how they do in this rebuild north carolina obviously having a very successful season but they are not done trying to build this program because they want to reach higher stakes and just you know being a good ACC team they want to be able to contend for the ACC title so it depends on are we seeing UNC coming in week in week out year in year out putting up you know 10 and 2 11 and 1 seasons or are we seeing them put in you know 8 and 4 7 and 5 year after you think year? Texas so, misses Mac Brown right now <laughs> I think uh Texas has to heavily consider potentially reaching out to him saying hey you know we made a mistake what do you say for old time's sake? Come on. Keep, come an, eye on back. On, keep an eye on Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer to the Longhorns would be phenomenal. Yeah, and keep an eye on guys like Bill O'Brien even who had college success and you know maybe the NFL didn't work out and maybe he doesn't want to stay in Texas just because Houston and Austin fans probably probably overlap a bit. So maybe not too many believers, but you know, he's I like still this comment from before, Clock Lesnar, Big 12 football is how football should be played. Hey, Honestly, I think offenses should run routes on air. That, <laughs> we, let's just see it all explode. <laughs> let's see it all explode and just see what happens. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, I'm liking what I'm seeing from the ACC. Uh, obviously, we got Oklahoma State with idle, so it makes them look better with the Big 12. And like, we, like you said, they're the only chance that the Big 12 has to get to the college football playoff. I'd like to say it. Big Ten starting up soon, uh, two weeks from now. So obviously, I think uh, the the committee is probably going to lean towards Ohio State. Of course, any team that wins the the Big Ten, though, it doesn't have to be Ohio State. They're gonna they're gonna end up in the in the college football playoff unless it's like a two loss team. Uh, but overall, it's just uh, it's 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 getting to feel a lot like the the regular, you know. You know, at late October here, like, oh, this Cincinnati is undefeated. So is BYU. Could they potentially get in? Probably not because they're not these big programs. But, you know, it's it's something to keep an eye on. And for a look at the game of football from a coaching, scouting, administrative perspective, go to LandryFootball.com today. From high school, college, to the NFL, from recruiting to the NFL draft, to your agency, from pregame, postgame, film analysis, to all the inside scoop on players, teams, coaches, and schemes, LandryFootball.com is your source for all things football. Thank you for joining, and please help us spread the word as you can catch us on the Chris Landry Twitch channel at www.twitch.tv slash chrislandryfootball, and you can listen to this podcast on your mobile device by signing up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcast. 
And while you are on LandryFootball.com, you just need to click on the ad located on the upper right side of the page. Pick among the gaming sites legal in your state, such as BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, and PointsBet. Sign up instantly and receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. Again, go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located in the upper right-hand side of the page, getting in the action with a special offer for American betting experts. Don't forget to take advantage of our special gaming offers for American betting experts. Go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located in the upper right-hand side of the page, pick up on the gaming sites legal in your state, sign up, and instantly receive an account, deposit, match, or risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. Thanks to our sponsor, American betting experts. Michael, it's going to be quite the week here. Uh, with all the news in the NFL that's it's coming out. We didn't even touch on all the crazy scheduling changes, so we'll have to get more into that on Friday. And, of course, Brian Sousa from Bonus Seekers will be with us as well. Looking forward to the show this Friday and really liking the way that things are heating up right now across the football landscape. Yeah, and we'll have a little big board league positional rankings. We'll show you the top tens at each position. Really looking forward to next week or next episode this Friday. Hope to see you guys there in the comments Michael's section. Going to give us his top five wide receivers because <laughs> I'll be sure to show my top five NFL wide receivers as well. Really looking forward to it, and we love the comment section from everyone. Big ups to uh, Glock Lesnar and Tony Paradise Three. Really appreciate everything that you guys do for us, and we hope that we continue to provide you guys some nice draft content. So everyone. Have a good one. Nick, always a pleasure. We'll see you guys on Friday. Take care.